Welcome to the Albany Horror Stories. Now welcome your host, Jenny Polly, and his lovely wife Tracy. I hear she's a lovely girl. <laughs> That's for you, bitch nasty. What's up, bitch nasty? <laughs> we uh, thought we'd have a little fun since we're doing rock and roll in the occult. We would uh, put in some witch doctor music, and then we talked about it last show, and we had a Twitter follower, uh, Bitch Nasty, actually say that she woke up thinking about that song that morning and what were the odds that we actually played it that night. So we thought we'd have a little bit of fun with it. And there's um, nothing more badass than the chipmunks. Well, that's right. Speaking of chipmunks, we are joined by Tracy... You're here tonight. Her her uh, maiden name's Chipman, so she used to be called Chipmunk all the time. How did you know that, or did you just make that up? No, I, I really was called Chipmunk. I am not even playing. Yeah, I mean, we've only been married almost ten years. You would think that I wouldn't know any of these stories, but yeah, oh, yeah I've heard that did? like eighteen times. Oh. So, um, also joined special occasion tonight because we got Ricky back to the show. So we got all three of us. What's up, Rick? What's going on, Jerry? Tracy? Hey, glad to have you, buddy. Oh, uh, it's it's funny because. Uh, Ricky and I actually had um, a situation one time in a store we were working at where we had to try to chase a chipmunk down. Yeah. And uh, we've actually got some video that I should probably post sometime on the, uh, the Facebook page. You do have the video? Yeah, I got oh, the video. Oh, great. Yes, it's that's great. Funny. I think people would love to watch a, a, a chipmunk go at your head like a sniper. And it did, too. It was up in this fake tree. And I say a fake tree, it's like one of those ficus trees. And this thing, we had it cornered into a room, and Ricky had a uh, like a blanket. A trash can. It was a trash can, and we tried, we were trying to catch it, and the thing jumped uh, out of the tree straight at my head, and then they were filming it from <laughs> it was, behind. It was like the Matrix, you jumped right in time. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Now I want to watch the video before I leave. Yeah, seriously. i got to make sure I can find it, but I've got the video. Um, we want to talk, do, do some shout-outs. I said we are going to do some shout-outs for people who did uh, Twitter reviews. So we're going to knock some of those out real quick. Uh, let's, let's start with this one. This was actually one I probably should have done a long time ago, and I thought I did, so I apologize. And she's ready to beat my head in because she's like, where the hell's my shout-out? So it's for Tina Basham Riggs. She's up an uh, old-school friend of mine from uh, Fairdale, Kentucky. we got Christina Dyson from Texas. Anna Kenyon, I have no idea where you live at, Anna, so I was trying to uh, Facebook stalk your page, but it didn't say on there. <laughs> Antoinette Johnson from Texas, Libby Helton from right here in Lexington, Go Big Blue, Pierre Duarte from California, Bitch Nasty from Chicago, as we've discussed already, <laughs> and then we got a special couple, and I saved these for the night you were here, Rick, because we have Gio from Houston and Molly from L.A., and you know what Gio and Molly have in common? What's that? They're both Hispanic. Uh, hey, we've got some you, more Hispanic. <laughs> You'll remember that both of these guys, um, guys and gals, I should say, actually talked about being our token Hispanic listeners. Right. And uh, actually, Gio, uh, he actually did a, a um, iTunes review in which he said, I'm Hispanic and I... Uh, Actually, what did he say? I approved this message. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought it would be kind of funny. They both actually also had the same suggestion for a show to do, which we are not going to do on the full show, but we're going to do on our For Shorts and Giggles in a couple of weeks, the video series. But it's on La Llorona. <laughs> that, that was that. That was... Um, 
Or it was like, Native American. Was, <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't help it. I, I got it was, a twang. I said it was La Llorona, not Yoko Ono. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was that Max. What was that? What was that song? What was that? Wasn't that a song back in the seventies? La 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 Llorona. Was that? <laughs> I thought it was La 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 Your Scrotum. <laughs> Oh, no. That's no. my, my, my scrotum. No. Oh, never mind. I, you wouldn't be the first to laugh at my scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to talk about those. But, but oh, both of those actually sent me stories. I thought we'd start off by reading their stories. And um, I don't think... Should I use the bad Mexican accent? Would that, be, would, that, would that probably chase off our Hispanic listeners? No, not at all. You sound like... Uh, what's that kid's name from Napoleon Dynamite? Oh, Pedro. 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 Well, we'll start it off. We'll see. Well, I was 10 years old. (laughs) I can't remember exactly. Me and my siblings had a bunk bed. They were out of town for camp. Okay, I can't do that. No, you cannot. That's just just wrong. I am so sorry. Sorry, Gio. I'm not making fun of you. This story. Go for Gio. (laughs) Go for Gio. This story actually came from Giovanni up in Texas. He said, well, I was around 10 years old. I can't remember exactly. Me and my siblings had a bunk bed, and they were out of town for camp, so it was me alone all week. So one night I was in the bottom bed trying to sleep, listening to music. For some reason, the light was still on, and I had my eyes closed, and all of a sudden, I get a pillow thrown at me. So I open my eyes and see this little guy, kind of like a leprechaun, running out the door, leaving it open. Didn't see his face, but it had a body of a five-year-old, I would say. That sounds hot. (laughs) That thing ran out the door so fast that I'd say it freaked me out. And I didn't tell my parents that night. I slept on the floor that night for the rest of the week with the light on. Never knew what it was. Now another incident in that same bunk bed happened to my sister. She was like six at the time. She woke up screaming and crying and claiming one of her dolls was choking her. She had a bunch of dolls on her bed. So that made me, that made my experience worse. From then on... I cannot sleep alone in the dark. I'm married now with a kid, but whenever they spend the night at her mom's and I stay alone, I need the light on. Even sometimes I prefer drinking and getting to the buzz level, not drunk, so I can fall asleep faster. Wow, that's crazy. It's yeah. funny because... Um, but wait, and there's something about bunk beds? That's what I was getting ready to say on, on uh, Real Ghost Stories Online with Tony and Jenny's show, which we praise on here since they've helped us out so much. You know, they've got like a bunk bed bell. That they ring every time somebody talks about uh, bunk beds because it comes up so much. And this is actually our first bunk bed story, so wow. pretty cool. Wow. So thank you, Gio, for that. We appreciate yeah, that's it. that's interesting. Um, I do like the thought of the leprechaun, though, because if you'd have caught him, you'd have had a pot of gold. Yeah. So that's you know, Or a bowl of, of Lucky yeah. Charms. And maybe your own <laughs> TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so this one actually comes from, from Molly. And Molly is a sweetheart. Uh, I've talked to her a bunch back and forth on email. She's visually impaired from an accident back, I think it was 2007, and she says that we actually help her a lot get through her day. So thank you for uh, the nice words, Molly. But here's here's Molly's story. All right. When I was about 15 years old, I slipped over to a friend's house, Muffy. It's not a real name. We had a fun night watching movies and talking, and we decided to go to bed. Muffy told me to take her bed, and she would sleep on her sister Duffy's bed. Two beds were parallel to each other, and Muffy's bed faced the closet. Duffy's bed faced the bathroom. We both settled in, but I was uneasy. I finally managed to fall asleep, but hours later, I awoke with an eerie feeling. The closet door was slowly opening, and I could see a little girl, about one year old, staring at me. 
I blinked and she kept coming closer to me, floating with a lot of clutter flying around her. I looked towards my friend's bed where she was sound asleep. I kept screaming, Muffy, Muffy, but she could not hear me. I was banging on the wall, but my pounding created no sound. By some miracle, Muffy moved and turned around and the little girl in the red dress disappeared into the closet. I was terrified and my heart was pounding and I could not go to sleep after that. That morning, her family and I were having breakfast and I began to tell my frightening ordeal. They just looked at me with an astonished face. Muffy's mom began to tell me that Muffy wasn't their firstborn. They had lost their firstborn girl, whose name was also Muffy, in a tragic car accident. They had buried her in a red dress. The mom brought out a picture of her in that same red dress. I almost threw up my breakfast. Needless to say, I never stayed at her house again. What do you guys think? Sleep paralysis or interaction with the paranormal? Wow. Either way, it was creepy. Yeah, definitely. I would say... Um, I think that's an interaction with the paranormal. Yeah, that's what I was. I don't. Say. I don't think because the sleep paralysis things they have a usually a different. It's it's usually a whole different uh, phenomenon. It's usually more of like seeing shadow people or somebody a feeling of somebody being on your chest, and not necessarily like a, in a, a situation like it's especially if uh, the mom's got pictures and stuff of the same child. So that's definitely more of a paranormal uh, situation. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So, are we ready to get into some music? Faux show. I thought what I'd do tonight, we've got a couple of, of main focal points tonight. We're going to talk about Jim Morrison, we're going to talk about Jimi Hendrix, and we're going to talk about Carlos Santana. But I nice. wanted to also throw in a couple just small things that I think uh, people will find interesting. So, the first one is Kurt Cobain. He did say in an interview that his life goal was to get stoned and worship Satan. Now, was he being sarcastic or what have you? Who knows? But, you know, when he was younger, he used to get in trouble because he would desecrate churches. He'd write, God is gay, and a bunch of other blasphemies on the side of churches. So he, he got in trouble for it. There was reports that he was involved with witchcraft. Um, and he said that he channeled demons. He said that in his music that he was stumbling on melodies by means him, he himself didn't fully understand. And in, in his suicide note, he wrote... I haven't felt the excitement of listening to as well as creating music along with really writing for too many years now. Um, in his suicide note, he said that he's despaired after his muse had flown south. And a lot of these people who, um, they have this channeling of music, they call it their muse. So that's that's who they say is getting their music. So he actually put that in his suicide note. Huh. The second we're going to talk about is Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Everybody knows who Brian Wilson is. Uh, he said, we're doing witchcraft, trying to make witchcraft music. Uh, he admitted that he was tormented by voices in his head, and that they would distract and torment him. Records uh, President Larry Waronker, Waronker, we'll just say that's what it is, yep. Waronker, <laughs> claims to have encountered at least five different entities that used Brian Wilson's body as their home. That's crazy. So, I mean, even if something like that, maybe that's what drove them to drink. Well, I mean, and drugs and stuff. I mean, if you have that inner demon or whatever it is inside of you, I mean, tormenting you, I don't know how I would handle that. I know you went off that way, and I was sitting there thinking, if he's got five people, maybe he did all those harmonies from the Beach Boys by himself. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking that's a long shot from uh, bikinis and surfboards. Yeah, (laughs) it it certainly is. Man, the things you find out about these people is just amazing. Uh, I could I could have probably given you quotes from like fifty or sixty right off the bat. Lady Gaga, this is one. Apparently, she gets her music from demons. She said herself 
that she has a spirit of her dead aunt living inside of her, which kind of sounds ironic yeah, to have she, your dead aunt living inside of her. She's a nutball anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And she said that the spirit of Alexander McQueen wrote a song for her called Judas. She also bought a Ghostbuster machine worth thousands of dollars because she said she's convinced that evil spirits are haunting her. She expressed that she had terrible nightmares with occult imagery, but she would use it as inspiration for her stage acts, which would consist of mock self-sacrifice and hanging by a noose. Wow. So she just made it into an advantage for her. Yeah. I, mean, I guess if you're going to have to live with it, you might as well make the best of it. I guess they told her to wear outfits made of meat and everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I'm filling a meat was, suit today. Maybe she's, she was possessed by Rocky. <laughs> I have another possession by Oscar Meyer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yo, Gaga, go wear the meat. <laughs> that was good. David, David Lee Roth. Uh, of course, he wrote Running with the Devil. He called himself a Toastmaster for the Immoral Majority. He admitted that the the goal in the world of rock was to conjure up evil spirits and surrender to them. I'm going to abandon my spirit to them, which is actually what I attempt to do. You work yourself into the state and fall into supplication of the demon gods. Huh. It might be... He never even wrote lyrics that good. <laughs> so is this David Lee Roth or is this... Uh... Well, maybe that's what he's using to blame it on, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, the devil kind of whatever. Yeah, the devil may be right, you know, stupid stuff like jump. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, you know, jump. You might as well. Uh, jump. <laughs> Little Richard. Most of you out there, I'm assuming, are going to be younger listeners, probably won't know who Little Richard is. That's not the guy that does all the exercise, uh, exercise and that's uh, Richard Simmons. Um, but Little Richard was a guy that, back when rock really first started back in the late 50s, early 60s, um, he was kind of on the forefront of all that stuff. <clears throat> he said, and this is, these are all quotes from these people, and I will say again, as I've said before, just because I say these things doesn't mean I wholeheartedly believe that maybe you know this is exactly what's happening. Sometimes these words can be twisted or taken out of context and make it sound one way. I'm just reading you what was actually said by these people. Little Richard said, I was directed and commanded by another power, the power of darkness, that a lot of people don't believe exists, the power of devil and Satan. I find it hard to believe that could be twisted into <laughs> right. something. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, I will say that I like Little Richard, but I will also say that he had his weird-ass looks on his face with his eyes. Have you, remember his eyes? That way you're like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You remember yeah. what I'm saying? He just yeah. had some like weird... That might have been the power of the Mate, penis. Yeah, oh, uh-huh. yeah, because yeah, he, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah. he definitely, uh, he, he enjoyed an occasional cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did y'all hear about that one guy that's got that nineteen-inch penis? That was, you know, that is funny that you said that because a guy at work today brought that up, that, and I told is. him he was full of shit. No, it's true. I've seen a picture. It's, oh my god! It hangs down almost to like his ankles. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It it's, is. Wow. It's you like know, it's unusable. I mean, I mean, yes. yeah. What are you gonna do with all yeah. that? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to get off subject. I just thought about that when you said that. Yeah. So. It would be a pretty good conversation. It would so. be, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Let's get- and he looked like he walks around with it hanging out all the time. <laughs> it's got it's got some kind of a, like, it's almost like it's got its a sock or something on it. He walks around just with it hanging dangling. <laughs> so what is this like? Is this like new news? Is this guy like, like he just come out and like, yeah, I got a 19-inch penis. I don't remember how it came out. <laughs> I mean... When are you like in? Doesn't he live in Mexico? I have no idea. I didn't read the story <laughs> nearly as closely as you did. Stop. 
Somebody caught him on video chip, tripping over it. We are getting so <laughs> sidetracked. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's talk about... I know people are probably surprised this hadn't came up yet, but let's talk about Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> <laughs> you thought that would have been, came up in at least the first two shows. Mm-hmm. He admitted that he uses external force. He said, he said one time... I really wish I knew why I've done some of the things I've done over the years. He's probably talking about Mary and Sharon. (laughs) Sometimes I think that I'm possessed by some outside spirit. A few years ago, I was convinced of it. I thought I truly was possessed by the devil. I remember sitting through the exorcist a dozen times saying to myself, yeah, I can relate to that. That was actually in in Hit Parader in 1984. Yeah, that's a little uh, creepy. But but as a matter of fact, the whole band experienced much stuff, demonic forces and stuff, because they dabbled with the occult. A geezer who's the um, uh, bassist for Black Sabbath, he said that during the recording of Black Sabbath's uh, Bel Air uh, album, he felt an ominous presence fill his bedroom. He looked up and, and saw several spectators glaring at him. And above with an overpowering effect. He was totally in fear, and he immediately awakened Bill, Tony, and Ozzy to tell them what happened. Geezer soon discovered that all of his fellow bandmates had experienced similar events. Oh, so none of them had said anything to each other no. about it. Wow. So to Sabbath, it was an obviously a, a dark, ominous cloud that was looming over him. So, wow. Yeah. Man. Well, let's talk about the... Uh, that's just a, a few of the little ones, and I'll, I'll try to throw some more of these out as we go. Not necessarily tonight, uh, but we'll talk about some of these on just beginnings of future shows. Just throw some out. But we're going to talk about, I want to say, three of the bigger names uh, in rock. <clears throat> and I want to try to paint these pictures of, of in depth. So we're going to talk about Jim Morrison first. Uh, and I've, I've chosen this for a reason. We'll talk about Jimmy and, and uh, Carlos afterwards because there's a little bit of a connection between the two. So we'll tie those together. But Jim Morrison from The Doors, everybody knows him. Um, member of the, the 27 Club, just like Jimmy will be. Him, him, Jimi Hendrix, and um, uh, Janis Joplin all died like within like a couple of months yeah. of each other. Oh wow! Or like I think it was actually a month of each other. All three of them, all three of them, 27 years old. No yeah. way. Yeah. It's kind of a, a tie-in. A lot of people think that these people that sold their souls, um, that's the deal. You're 27, and that's where the 27 Club comes from. Though Amy Winehouse is in that club, and I can't imagine he would want her for anything. But, <laughs> you know, we we say this. But a lot of people say that there's no possible way that this any of this is true. Why would you know they don't believe in being able to sell your soul and and uh, you know for fame and fortune or what have you? And the only thing that I'm going to say to that is think about how many horrible singers have made it rich. Yeah, I mean, you're right. think about it. You got Bruce Springsteen, Jimi Hendrix, Mick Jagger, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan. None of them people can sing. Neil Young. None of these people have a voice, and they've all made it as singers. And a matter of fact, I'm going to go out on a limb since we're talking about Tom Petty. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I don't think he should be because I'm 100% convinced his teeth are on steroids. (laughs) (laughs) He took some miracle grow. He looks like he would be the illegitimate kid of uh, Gary Busey and Bob Dylan. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's terrible. And Bob... What about Bob Dylan? I mean, this guy, he just won the Nobel Prize for uh, poetry and, and all this. He didn't go accept the award. Like, he's too good for it. And he actually, you know, we're not talking about him. He, on 60 Minutes in a Morley Schaefer interview, actually, because Morley, Morley asked him, why are you still performing at your age? You don't have to do this. And he said that he made a deal with an outer force when he was young for fame and, and riches, and in exchange, he would be performing for as long as he possibly could. 
Well, so, Maury, so what do you say about that? Well, Maury's like, he said something to the effect of, well, are we talking about, do you want to disclose who those are? And he just kind of laughed, laughed it off. So we knew what it was. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, his voice is horrible. You think he was like that, like when he was a little kid? I mean, can you imagine Bob Dylan, like, in uh, kindergarten or something? Hey, he's eating my paste. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was good. Anyways, so let's talk about Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison had a had a long interview, uh, at which time he said that he was believed that he was possessed by the souls of Indians. He said the reaction I I get now thinking about it, looking back, is that the souls of the ghost of those dead Indians, maybe one or two of them, were just running around freaking me out, just kind of leaped into my soul, and they're still there. Now this all goes back. Let's let's talk about Jim Morrison in the early days. Jim Morrison, everybody knows, is the rock star, the sexy guy, the you know the the great lyricist and all that. What people don't realize is Jim Morrison flunked out of school. He went to Venice Beach. He was staying like on rooftops of hotels and stuff. And he claims that he ran into some spirits there. He claims it was Satan, and he caught up with him. And then all of a sudden, after this little experience he has at Venice Beach. On a, it says, let me, I'm going to read you a quote here. It says, it was a year, it was, in that year of an intense visitation of energy, I left school, went down to the beach to live. I slept on a roof. At night, the moon became a woman's face. I met the spirit of music. His, his journals that he kept said, who's the spirit of music? An appearance of the devil on a Venice canal. Running, I saw Satan moving beside me, a flashing shadow of a secret mind, running and knowing. Now, Jim Morrison, he wasn't a singer back then. He, knew, he supposedly couldn't sing. But now all of a sudden after this, now he's got this great songwriting ability. He's got this great singing ability. And he's all of a sudden a sex symbol. What happened out there that made him a star? He done made that pact. That's what it sounds like. And, and Ray Manzarek, who was the keyboardist for the Doors, this is what he said. He said, when the Siberian shaman, a shaman is somebody back in the the days that they would play the music and stuff to get the people yeah. kind of focused in, kind of like a snake charmer. Right. But a shaman, when the shaman gets ready to go into his trance, all the villagers get together and play whatever instruments they had to send him off into the trance. It was the same way with the doors. When we played in concert, I think that our drug experience let us get into that quicker. It was like Jim was an electric shaman, and we were the electric shaman's band, pounding away behind him, pounding, pounding. Little by little, it would take him over. And he also went on to say that sometimes he was just incredible, just amazing, and the audience felt it. What's more amazing is that it wasn't Jim alone who had admitted it, but his band members, including Ray Manzarek. Ray said in an interview in 1980s that Jim was definitely possessed. Jim's contribution to music is that Jim was real, real on stage, and real when he wrote his songs. When he sang his songs in the studio, he was not a performer. He was not an entertainer. He was not a showman. He was a shaman. He was a possessed man. Huh. Now, wait—he was only possessed when he was on stage. Yeah, it must have been part of his pact. Yeah, yeah. So fifteen thousand people would be hushed, stopped, not even breathing. When when I was on stage with the guy, I don't know who was playing the organ. Sure, it was my fingers, but implying that the same forces who took over Morrison's body took control of my fingers. Researchers say that demonic beings have used Jim's body as a puppet to influence many generations. He died at twenty-seven. A month after the death of Jimmy and Janice, Morrison admitted he, he had to drink to silence the constant voices of the demons, which ended up killing him. 
And he even wrote about these demons in a, in a, uh, a poetry book called The Lords that he wrote um, with James, as, as James Douglas Morrison, The Lords and the New Creatures is what he called it. Wow. Well, maybe, maybe there's some truth to this because it seems like a lot of rock and rollers party or not so much party, but drink a lot and, you know what I'm saying? And well, do drugs and stuff like that and... That's that's for a really good reason. Let's talk about this, and this wasn't even actually going to be part of it, but well, since it's brought up, you almost can't ignore it. Let's go back to Aleister Crowley. Funny how he keeps coming back into these. You know, in the whole Aleister Crowley teachings, if you remember, his thing was to try as many drugs as possible, and he felt like that, if you remember the part where um, he had took the guy out in the desert and mm-hmm. drew the circle, they were both high. He had the orgasm mm-hmm. while he was high, and he said that from that point on, he knew that was the key to being able to accomplish all this is through drugs. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to his teachings, and we're going to talk about this in depth in, in uh, three or four weeks when we do the Aleister Crowley show that we were supposed to be doing next week, but I changed it. We're going to talk about the 60s and the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and how Aleister Crowley had a big hand into that because that was his preaching. If you If you were on drugs... You are more open to be able to see things and let stuff in, mm-hmm. so yep. you can be more creative. But at yep. the same time, you could also can be um, a tool. Yeah, it can open up parts of your mind, let things in. You never know, right? Yep. And that's the whole thing. So, and especially LSD, which yep. a lot of these people yep. did back then. So, I wonder if a lot of these um, performers even remember their performance on stage. Uh, who knows? If some, you know, if this demons, whatever, taking over their. Well, I would say. Probably some of them, because like that one guy was saying that he felt like when he started playing the keyboard, something was taking his fingers over. Uh So, I mean, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of people who, they say the same thing. When they get on stage, they're possessed. Right. You know, Prince used to say that. He was another one that said that when he was on stage, he felt like he was possessed. Somebody else just took over. Right. Um, But like I said, that's one of those things that could be twisted. That could be somebody just saying... Yeah. You know, as a metaphor or something yeah. that I just feel like that I'm another person. I'm a monster on the stage. Jail. Jail. I'm a red bull. <laughs> I was hypnotized once. Does that mean the same thing? No, that means absolutely nothing. And oh. It's not pertinent were to anything really, we're talking about. Were you really hypnotized? No, I really was. was. She took her clothes off. I did. I didn't take my clothes off. I took my bra off and put it on the outside of my shirt. See, I know this isn't part of that show, but I'm skeptical when it comes to that. I'm, I'm telling you. I don't think you, it's real. Yeah, I, I, I've actually, I've Unless actually, somebody actually did it to me. I, I can't. I didn't believe it was real either, but I'm telling you, I and I, it was so embarrassing because I can't even tell you probably some of the other things that happened. What did they do it with? Just real good. I'm going to cut you off. That's okay. Like a, like a and no, he no room. no he just said some words, and you know he's like when I snap my fingers now. Some of them it didn't work, and the ones they could tell it didn't work on, they just pulled them off the stage. Yeah, that's the way those shows work. Uh-huh. And I mean, I was. They do they do a bunch of pre stuff to right. see who's susceptible mm-hmm. and who's not because not right. everybody's susceptible. Yeah, I don't I remember you. anything. And when I got off the stage after it was all said and done, and it was so embarrassing because a lot of uh, my patients were there watching the show, and they're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you!" And I'm like, "Oh god, oh. how embarrassing!" And I mean, there's a tape floating around somewhere. Yeah, and I every once in a while, me and Angel have that argument. I just can't see it. I got I got a friend that's actually remember we went to see his show. He's an actual hypnotist and mm-hmm. uh, hypnotist, and he was his show. I mean, it's it's pretty real. When you when you, if you actually see somebody do it live, right. you would be a believer. Right. Mm-hmm. I think at one point I was picking lice out of people's hair because I thought I was a monkey or something. It, wow, it was bad. No, I'm serious. There's wow. a bunch of us. There's that, a stretch. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. I just was kind of wondering about that. Okay. So, <laughs> 
Now that we've talked about LSD, let's uh, the, ob- <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the obvious jump. Let's talk about Jimi Hendrix. And Jimmy was a unique character, to say the least. He spent some time in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Did you know that? No. In the military. He's, huh. uh, that's where he actually got, got in his first band was in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Oh, no kidding. Yep. Um, these, these are some quotes from Jimmy. Now, this first one comes from Life Magazine, 1969. He said, I can explain everything better through music. You hypnotize people to where... They go right back to their natural state when, when it's pure and positive, like in childhood, when you got natural highs. And then you get people at their weakest point. You can preach into their subconscious what we want to say. That's why the, the name Electric Church flashes in and out. Wow. His other quote says, Things such as witchcraft, which is a form of exploration and imagination, have been banned by the establishment and called evil. It's because people are frightened to find out the full extent of their mind. Huh. Yeah. Well, I can believe that. You know, Jimmy used to always say that he got his music. Uh, he was like a radio. He would just tune in. It was a radio, and then he would just write down whatever was given to him. That it was, you know, he didn't write anything. He just basically was a tool for whatever came through. That man was magic with a guitar. He was magic with a guitar. He also played chords back-to-back together. Yeah which nobody else played together, right, right. and that's supposed to be a sign. Um, we're going to get into some of that, but uh, Jimmy actually supposedly knew everybody's the chords that would resonate with everybody's astrological sign. Huh. So he would have, and in concerts, he would have like the Sagittarius over here, and he would try to group people together by that. Wow. And then he would play certain chords and, and uh, huh. to try to get attention out of, to see what right. kind of reaction he could right. get out of these people. But Jimmy claimed he was possessed. And not only did he claim it, so did several other people. He wasn't eager to be possessed. He, he claimed to be more of a victim. But he said that an evil spirit was in him. His former girlfriend, Pay Prigdon, she said he used to always talk about some devil or something was in him, you know, and, and didn't have any control over it. He didn't know what made him act the way he acted. And songs just came out. He was so tormented and just torn apart that he used to talk about having somebody drive him out of this demon, or drive this demon out of him. And she was from Georgia, and she used to talk about, she had relatives that were into voodoo and stuff, and he used to always talk to her about wanting to go to Georgia and get exercised. Mm-hmm. Huh. So this is how much that he thought it was, uh, this thing was in there. It's also commonly known that Hendrix studied the occult teachings of Aleister Crowley. Go figure. Huh. He learned the correspondency frequency guitar notes that were matched to a person's sun sign. He strategically placed people in groups by their signs and placed their corresponding frequencies at them evoking great emotion. He used a silical musical pattern where eventually people received one to three bars of notes which created an energy vortex so large the power went out of the town that he was playing. Oh my God. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Jimmy created a a similar experience for fans 40 years prior to the same thing that Madonna uh, did. And, you know, this was in Hawaii when he did But, you know, Madonna did something. And, and also Beyonce at the uh, Super Bowl performance mm-hmm. that she did. Both of these were set up with similar things with, like, the devil's eye. And, and if you look at the... They, if you go look at the Beyonce's thing at the beginning, when, like, the bull comes this out... the whole Illuminati. Yeah, it's yeah. a whole, whole Illuminati. Yeah. They got people strategically placed somewhere. But it, all three of these things, the Madonna thing, the, uh, the Jimi Hendrix Rainbow Bridge concert... And the Super Bowl were all under this certain star called, uh, it's like a constellation thing called Silvergate. Right. And all three of these things happened, and all three of them had this same pattern. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a a constellation overhead on Silvergate. Uh, Jimi Hendrix was an LSD user, which allowed him to artificially open his mind to the spirit realm. 
So there well, you go. How, how come he never went though? Did his like wife or whatever she was didn't want him to go to Georgia? Oh, I don't know. Oh. Well, probably because he died. Yeah. Well, I guess so. It, I mean, you know, they yeah. could have transported him to Georgia, but yeah. at that point, it's kind of overkill. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that's right. I mean, he was still pretty young, but twenty-seven. Yeah, I was just thought maybe if he was again, I mean, hated it so bad he'd make it before well, he could get him there himself. But. You would think. So let's talk about Carlos Santana. Now, most people, when you think about this stuff, they don't think Carlos Santana, but I included Carlos because I think this story is fascinating. Um, Carlos, for years, has claimed that he's had a, a somebody write his music for him as far as an entity. Huh. And it all kind of came to a head in, was it 1999, when Supernatural came out. Now, if you yeah. remember, for those of you who remember Supernatural, had the song Smooth by Rob, Rob Thomas, Thomas and, yeah. and a bunch of other songs. Clapton was on it. was a bunch right. of stars that came together. It's actually a really good album. It was. Had it the truck. It was. Yeah. And then... Uh, but here, here's what happened. So let, let's talk a little bit about that. He was 52 years old. He received more acclaim and airplay in that year than he had received in all his previous years of his rock combined. No think kidding. about that. That's yeah. crazy. Also think about, remember, his one of his first hits was Black Magic Black Woman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always wondered if that song meant it was a black woman that practiced magic or if it was a woman <laughs> that practiced black magic. I don't know if she was a black magic woman or a black magic woman. <laughs> Thanks, no, I'll forever be wondering. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's like, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say something. But. So he's 52 years old. This album comes out. He's on the Grammys, 42nd Grammys. Supernatural won nine Grammys, more than anybody had ever won except for Michael Jackson back, you know, in the day. So, you know, we were looking back to the nine Grammys, they won Record of the Year, Album of the Year, Song of the Year, Best Pop Collaboration, Best Pop Instrumental, Best Rock Performance uh, by a duo or group, Best Rock Instrumental Performance, Best Rock Album, and Best Pop Performance by a duo or group. Wow. I mean, that's a lot to win. I mean, that's basically <laughs> everything. Yeah. He, done, he, he renewed his pact with the devil. The, yeah. yeah. The question is, was it a supernatural force that was behind the startling success that Santana had with the album Supernatural. Santana has been quite candid about the fact that his Supernatural direction and assistance from a spirit entity called Metatron. That's not like a... Not not a Transformer. Or a Power Ranger. It's Metatron. (laughs) Now, he said that he got assistance from them for, for the inception of this project. The spirit entity guaranteed and even prophesied the success of the album Supernatural before the project had even gotten off the ground. That's what Santana told Rolling Stone in 1999. More than a half a year before the fireworks went off at the stellar showing of the the Grammys, he was already telling Rolling Stone that it was happening. He said, I know it sounds new age, but in my meditation, this entity, which is called Metatron, he's an angel. Santana has, has had regular contact with him since 1994. Carlos will sit facing a wall Candles lit. He has a yellow legal pad at one side ready for communications that will come. It's kind of like a fax machine. Huh. He just sits there. And he says, I said there was a tie-in to Jimi Hendrix. He says that that uh, the same entities that Jimi Hendrix got his music from is where he gets his. He says it's so, like just turning on a radio. It's finding that right so frequency and just listening. Not a demon? He says it's an angel, but that, let's let's be honest. And, and that's what I was going to ask you. Too. It seems like it's always it's always evil. Mm-hmm. Is it always evil? Is it never like a good, you know, yeah, good spirit or anything? Have you ever listened to Christian music? <laughs> yeah. 
I'm just saying. The stuff really doesn't. I mean, it's, you know. But, you know, Elvis Presley sang gospel music and... Uh, well, we won't touch on Elvis because we got a whole show set up for Elvis. But I can only uh, imagine. We can, yeah. No, that's uh, mercy me. That's more that Christian stuff. I got you. I got you. Oh man. So let's let's talk about let's talk about Carlos a little more in, in this. He said we want to hook you back to the radio airway frequency. That's what the that's what the this entity told him. We want you to reach junior high schools, high schools, and universities. Once you've reached them, because we are going to connect you with the best artists of the day, then we want you to present them with a new menu. Let them know that they are themselves multidimensional spirits with enormous possibilities and opportunities. We want you to present them with a new form of existence that transcends religion, politics, or the modus operandi of education today. This spirit seems smart. He must That's have a degree from Harvard yeah, or Stanford you know, or something. Once again, all these evil demons, you know, and all they're doing is giving us good music. Well, that's yeah. true. That's not, huh. yeah, that's not a bad thing in that, you know. Yeah, I like the music. Yeah. I do too. So like many rock stars, Santana admits his success is tied to the spiritual entity. Santana also claims he can contact the spirits of musicians who have died, such as Jimi Hendrix and Miles Davis. He also claims that artists, the artists who were participating on Supernatural... Uh, they were brought to him supernaturally to be part of the Metatron's project. Huh. He claims that they heard his music or were communicated in his dreams and were told they were going to be part of it. So, like, Clapton came to him and said, hey, I heard you're doing an album. I want to be part of it. Wow. But Clapton says that he heard this through a dream. Really? And he contacted him and found out, yeah, I'm doing this. And then Rob, Rob Thomas, Thomas said the same thing, that he was contacted through a dream. Oh my gosh. Wyclef, did he say that as well? I don't know that's what Wyclef popular... said. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what Wyclef said. I'm just saying, that's pretty wild. Yeah, though. that is. Rob Thomas and Eric Clapton both said that. That's pretty... Man, that's... Now, we're, we're going to tie this drug stuff back in because Santana claims his first initiation into the spiritual world took place when he ingested LSD in the 60s. He claims that while he played Woodstock, his guitar became a serpent before his eyes and ins- inspired the way he played his seething leads that would catapult him into international fame as a guitarist. Yeah. Nothing like uh, Santana Strokes. And all these serpent. people are rich. What are we missing? Well, out nobody on? sells their soul to the devil to be poor. What kind of deal is that? Well, I guess so. <laughs> That's but. one of those deals like the U.S. has been making with these foreign countries that Donald Trump's supposed to take away. <laughs> yeah, I, that makes sense, I reckon. We'll make you famous, but you're going to die at 27. No money. <sighs> yeah. And I hope you like peanut butter and tang <laughs> and Kool Aid. <laughs> Oh man! That's just wouldn't have been funny if Rob Thomas and and Eric Clapton like they met up in the same dream and like hey, hey, like that. That's hilarious. That's pretty funny because I remember when uh, 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 Wayne from Wayne's World met Jim Morrison in the dream. (laughs) Yeah, with the naked Indian. (laughs) With the naked Indian. (laughs) So what do y'all what do y'all think? What y'all's input on on the stuff we've talked about tonight? I think it's pretty wild. Yeah, and I definitely think drugs are definitely tied into all of it. Yeah, and like I said, when we, when we do the show on Aleister Crowley, I mean, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the Beatles and the Stones because a lot of people don't realize this: the Beatles put out Sgt. Pepper and the Stones put out uh, uh, His Satanic Majesty's Request the same year, and there's actually ties to both of them on the album. Like for example, uh, there's a there's an album uh, on the album of. Uh, um, Sergeant Peppers, there's actually a picture of Aleister Crowley up in the top left-hand corner. Bottom right-hand corner, there's a doll, and it says, please welcome the Rolling Stones. 
Well, when you go to the Rolling Stones album, there's four pictures of the Beatles, mm-hmm. each individually hid oh, in the wow. album. Yeah. And so it's kind of camouflaged, hard to see. But like the picture of John Lennon is the picture from right. the inside the cover of Sgt. Pepper's. Oh, wow. And like I said, these were released at the exact same time. There's also on the, on the bottom cover of Sgt. Pepper's, there's like this little Hindu Buddha looking doll. Yeah. It's like a, yeah. a, a holding out. It's, it's got like four arms or six mm-hmm. arms and it's holding out a pot and and uh, something else. I can't remember what it is. But that's like in the Bible, that's supposed to be like a really sacrilegious uh, creature. And that's on the uh, the album. But, but where this all ties into effect, obviously, is, is Aleister Crowley's whole thing was do what thy wilt. Uh, do whatever you want. And that's what the whole cry of the 60s was, was everybody was, we're just going to do what we want. Peace, love, sleep with everybody, take mm-hmm. every drug possible. Right. That was Aleister Crowley's main thing. And then you got people like uh, Timothy Leary, who was a uh, big hit of his paintings and stuff. He was a huge Aleister Crowley fan. And uh, he came out openly and said he admired everything that he did. And uh, he was going to run for president. Huh. And when he was going to run for president, that's when John Lennon wrote um, uh, Come Together. That was actually going to be a presidential everybody come together song right. for Timothy Leary, which ended up not running for president, so it didn't get used for that. Right. Wow. See, I'm just a wealth of knowledge. You are. For useful you shit. You are. All I know is Aleister Crowley's dumb. Yeah. I hope he don't hear you say that. You're sure. dumb. You didn't finish what you started. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying. I bring it up every time we have a show and every time you say his name. <laughs> Because he didn't finish that whole thing. Ritual. Dumb. It's just dumb. Yeah, when he gets the spirit of Horus on you. Because you know Horus was the one who gave him the information for the book of the law. It's the book of the law. <laughs> I don't know what that was. That was just... Uh... <laughs> well, guys, it's been an absolutely fun show. I love doing the music stuff. And we're going to do more. Like I said, we're going to talk about Elvis. And we're going to talk about the Beatles and the Stones. And, and trust me, there's no shortage of musicians. We didn't even t- touch on stuff like the obvious ones, like ACDC or ah, yes. any of that. That's, yeah. an, that's another one. Uh, Angus is one of those that says that when he's on stage, he just feels like something takes over his body. Well, like something just, does. How the hell does he move around like on that yeah, stage he's like, anyway? It's like something takes them ankles over. He's like yeah. he's like 176 years old and <laughs> run around like he's 20. Yeah, I know. That's all right. I don't. I love ACDC. So whatever happens yeah, I mean, about demons, it, it's, it's like I said. I listen to ACDC. I listen to Zeppelin. I listen. You know. I understand. I feel like you know. I got control over myself. Mm-hmm. You know. If, if the, the weaker people. Are the people who let songs influence them? If you commit suicide because you listen to Suicide Solution by Ozzy, or you know what yeah. have you, or then you're a depressed individual. Yeah, anyway. exactly. Yeah, you, you've got issues, and you can't blame it on the music. I'm no. not, you know. Now, don't get me wrong. Music affects us because oh, sure otherwise, yeah. otherwise, it, it, a song it definitely would, affects emotions. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be made, it wouldn't make you happy otherwise, yeah. or it wouldn't, make, it wouldn't make you sad, or yeah. bring back memories that it does. So you can't say that it's not an influence. But I, just because somebody tells you to do something, don't mean you got to do it. Exactly. You know. But anyway, it's been a fun show. Once again, don't forget on Wednesday nights we do for shorts and giggles, which is and awesome, by the way. Thank like you. That. Thank you. You have to come do one of those with us one day. It'd be hard fitting all three of us in a camera like we do the mic. Uh, you can take my spot. I'll set one out. But we're gonna do. We can, we're gonna keep doing those. I, I put out a list of the next four or five shows. The next one's gonna be on the Hopkins, Hopkinsville Goblins. This is an awesome little story. We almost did a regular show on it, but I decided to make it a short. But it's about. Some visitors in the 50s in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, that this family claims that some aliens, like little three-foot-tall aliens, came down and just harassed them. And there's all kinds of evidence that something actually happened here. So it's going to be a cool story. We're going to talk about that. We're going to do the <laughs> the La 
your 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 La Yorona story the week after that. I swear that I keep thinking my Sharona. <laughs> my Sharona. <laughs> but we're gonna do that story after that, and we got a couple other cool ones. But we're we're digging up all kinds of fun stuff to doing that. Go to our YouTube page. It's Hillbilly Horror Stories. Follow us on Twitter. It's Hillbilly Horror Stories. Actually, it's just Hillbilly Horror on there. But <laughs> you can look at, at the Rent Daddy or Hillbilly Horror. Either one, find it. And then uh, once again, the iTunes reviews, guys. Keep them coming. You're you're awesome. You get us a bunch of. Uh, I think we had three or four in the last week. They were all five stars. Please keep those things coming. They help us. And um, hey, what more can I say, man? It was fun having all three of us here for the first time. Yeah, it was a blast. Thanks, Rick. Say no problem. I had fun. You guys are awesome. Oh, thank yeah, you. I love listening to them. And y'all have a good night. So how much how much better do you think the show is since you left? Oh, I'm just, no. <laughs> hundreds of times better. That is not true. We 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 miss you definitely. We probably get as many people oh, asking. About we get you, as many yeah. people asking about you mm-hmm. and talking about the. We had one the other day. Yep. Was, it, was it an iTunes review or was it one of the? Um, I think but it was, was some, iTunes. It yeah. was somebody saying they liked the show better with Ricky than, uh-huh. than, than with Tracy and uh, vice versa. We hear them back and forth, yeah. and uh, luckily nobody said they'd rather hear it without me. So that, right. that, would, <laughs> that would really be discouraging. <laughs> but we do appreciate you guys. Keep listening for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Yeah. So when y'all wanted longer shows, and uh, we're going to start doing about forty-five minute shows, and that's right at where this one is. So thank you guys so much, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace out. They would like to thank you folks for kindly dropping in. You're all invited back next week to this locality to have a heaping helping of their hospitality. Hillbilly, that is. Y'all come back now, here.